back to the RDN Good Roller Pod, episode 19. I just want to give a shout out to JD's Bait Shop in Centennial, Colorado, where they allowed us to do this podcast with Nick Gizmondi. Awesome place. If you've never been to JD's Bait Shop, check it out. It's in Centennial, Colorado, off I-25 and Arapaho Road. It's a sports bar. They're a low-key Blackhawks bar as well. They love Nick Gizmondi. They're big hockey fans there, so check it out. All right, boys, let's get into this podcast. This is an awesome one. I got my main boys here with me. I got Kevin Dwyer. I got Jordan Hampleton. And we also got a special guest that helped us doing this pod. You guys know him on this podcast. He's been a reoccurring guest sometimes. CJ Bateman. How are you guys doing on this Father's Day? I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the uh, roller fathers out there and, you know, all the other fathers in general. Um we have, uh, I think, Uncle Ed and Aunt Kathy and my cousin Connor are coming through. And my mom's making Teleguin, which is a Guamanian dish that they picked up on living in Guam. So I'm ready for that. I'm doing good. What's in the dish? Uh, um, so basically, uh, I think you can do like chicken and shrimp as like uh, the or chicken and or shrimp as like the main base. But like it's a little bit of like uh, kind of like so lot like cilantro-y mambo-ish type rice um lime juice red pepper flakes um like yeah yeah so it's uh my sister was born in guam so they they got these guamanian recipes and i've been the benefactor cj was very excited and jealous to hear that we're making keleguin today so it'll be bomb i don't want to sound like an idiot but isn't guam a territory of the u.s yeah jordan tiny little island there we go. Jordan, how you doing on this Father's Day? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Father's Day, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It's been great. Um, we're just hanging out today, not really doing much. We got to pack and stuff. We're moving next week, so um, get some of that done while it's the weekend and then hanging in there, so, yeah. Nice. CJ Bateman, the guest we have on today's pod that helped us do the podcast you guys are going to listen to here. How you doing, man? Doing good. Um, like everyone said, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there and all the roller dads. Um, I'm just over at my dad's house. I uh, got the family here. Grandpa, grandma came over today. So nice. just cook, cook some lunch for everyone. So yeah. what'd you cook? Uh, <laughs> Rob's going to love this one. I, uh, made some beer brats. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, Let me tell you what. These burger balls. This kid's a great cook, <laughs> but he loves making his beer brats. I mean, the last two out of three times nice. I've been to his house. He uh he's had beer brats and I the kid can make him great so can't complain. What's well, a uh for for myself asking out of ignorance and I assume others what is a burger ball? Okay, so last week uh me, my dad, Angie, Jordan and Megan um were getting ready to go to the rock and me and Jordan were just flipping on YouTube and uh have you seen Pitmaster Boys or something like that? Yeah, it's like just like a cooking show and does all the smoking and everything. But so it's just basically hamburger meat and then you mix it up like how you cook a burger and then you wrap it in bacon, make like a ball out of it and then like make a hole in the middle and stick a pepper in there and then put some cheese over the top and just cook them. Wow. They were a pretty good hit today. I'll say that. Nice. Good. Good job, kid. That's unreal. Well, yeah, so like everyone said, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. 
we posted last week a free agent list that we're going to start doing. Going to be doing it daily. I've been posting it daily. So if you guys don't have a team or if you are on a team or if you are a team looking for players or vice versa, link in our bio, sign up, any age, adults, kids, <laughs> teens, anything. Uh, if you guys need players or teams, look on there. It will definitely help out going in the tournament season too. And this won't just be for this season. This can be for – you know, next season two, we can do this for Pi Haw. We can do this for anything you want. So, link in the bio, check it out. Boys. Have, has anybody offer sheeted Phil Maroon yet? Yeah, Phil Maroon's <laughs> already taken. <laughs> yeah, Phil got picked up within minutes. So, Phil's a power play specialist only. Thank, thanks, George Collins. <laughs> but, boys, this interview we have on top that's coming out is just – one of my favorite ones we've done because we got to do it in person, you know, and I say that about every single pod, you know, this one, this one's the best, this one's the greatest, but this pod, we all got together. We did it at JD's bait shop in Centennial, Colorado. We had the special guest, the Chicago Blackhawks, Nick Gizmondi, CJ. Well, what'd you think of the pod? Awesome experience. And just listening to Gizmo talk, like you, you could just listen to that guy talk for hours and hours. So I uh, appreciate you guys letting me do it. And, I had a blast. It was a it was a ton of fun. That guy, like you just said, has the perfect broadcasting voice. So it just sounds it sounds eloquent every time he speaks. Um, he was a lot of fun. I never met him before. I've always heard about him and seen him on Narch, you know, see him on TV and stuff. So getting to meet him and learn about his Vegas and Chicago like runs is pretty pretty interesting. I I think CJ referred to it as the best night of his life a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it, it was just getting out of hand. I mean, we throwing a couple of sponsors back, you know. So it was uh it it I knew it was gonna be a good interview coming into it. Uh we obviously called a quick audible that day. Gizmo called us and was like, Hey, like I know this place JD's and I lived next to, J- to JD's for the last two years, so I was very familiar with it. I don't think Rob had ever been there, but you boys had been there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mentioned in there. It's, it's low-key, a Blackhawks bar. There's, there's a, quite a few bartenders always wearing Blackhawks stuff, so it was fitting. Um, I was walking in wet as he was walking in, so when we walked in together – I got the immediate, like, yo, this guy's really well-known. Like, all the bartenders are saying what's up to him and stuff. So, like, walking in there, I was like, this is going to be awesome, man. I, I can't wait to sit down and do this. And mid-interview, he's got people coming up, like, Blackhawks. And, like, it was just nuts. It was insane. And just like you said, Rob, I really do think, like, this is our best interview yet this was incredible to hear his story we didn't even talk a ton about roller but just man how much that guy is known in the nhl and his roots to roller and stuff it 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 i what i wanted to say is it goes to show you that you don't always have to be playing to make the nhl you know like you don't have to be a player to make the nhl you can make the nhl in other ways and nick is a perfect prime example of that and i think it's a real treat and i think our listeners are really going to like it I mean, you said it all right there, Kev, um, Jordan and CJ. I think the coolest thing about this, doing the interview, we did it out back. Shout out to JD's bait, bait Shop. Took care of us. Absolutely took care of us. Anything we needed, they helped us out with. So thank you to Nick. Thank you to JD's Bait Shop. I'm not sure what the guy's name was that was there working. Uh, was- Dave. Dave. Shout out to Dave, Dave. too. Was- I'm going to swing by there tomorrow. He was wondering. I came by the next day to get my car, and he's like, when's that dropping? So I got to swing by there 
tomorrow and go go get him subscribed to Roller Dad so he can listen to the Gizmo podcast. Absolutely, but no, it was awesome because people were coming up to him and taking pictures of him, like Chicago Blackhawks, and <laughs> we're like, getting to interview him, and like this was it was just surreal, like to see it like that. Unbelievable guy, you know Gizmo. He took care of us when we were there. We got to listen to some cool stories um, for Artie and After Hours with Gizmo. That it was a <laughs> it, it was a great time. It was a fun one. There's definitely gonna be a part two to this one too. Not a lot of people know kind of you know the the Vegas the Blackhawks situation. Man, was this just awesome to hear from him. So enough of us. We're going to just send it over to Kev. Kev's going to do the intro to the pod. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for coming and visiting us with another good roller episode here uh, with the Roller Dead News podcast. We got a very, very special guest today. Um, not CJ Bateman. He's here, though. But <laughs> we, got, uh, we got the between-the-bench guy for the Chicago Blackhawks, Nicholas Gizmondi. Gizmo, how you doing, man? What's up? I'm good, boys. I'm good. Nice little, uh, nice little summer night. Couple, uh, couple bevies on the table. Um, look, looking forward to hanging out with you guys. Absolutely. A couple sponsors from JD's Bait Shop. <laughs> JD's Bait Shop here, yeah. and, uh, here in, uh, in Centennial, Colorado. So, um, no, this is cool. I've, I'm obviously... Uh, Long-time listener, first-time guest, so cool to nice. that's cool, cool to be on you guys. I, I like the last episode with Junior. That's a awesome. that's a throwback for me too. So uh, no, it's cool. It's cool to be here with you guys. So how are you? How are you doing through this quarantine with everything? I'm good. You know, I think I got to be honest. Like I didn't really see it. I didn't see it going this long. I really didn't. You know, I I was in Chicago. Obviously, we had played the. Um, uh, we had played the San Jose Sharks on the 11th, March 11th, and it was a national game, so I wasn't working technically that night. So I was up in the press box, and it was kind of surreal to watch everything sort of kind of happen in, in in real time. Like I saw what was happening in the NBA, and I thought, uh oh. And you know, I'm sitting right next to like the PR people and the communication staff, and you just you could see their minds going, you could see their phones going off, and it was kind of like, all right, something's coming. So I anticipated them hitting the pause button. I did not anticipate it being um, three and a half months. But listen, it's been good. Um, I, I came back to Colorado. I have a home here. Um, I've lived here since 2013 off and on. So it was fun to kind of come back here and just kind of ride this out a little bit and, and sit tight. You know, I had a little bit more resources here. I've only been in Chicago for a year. So it's nice to be able to just kind of like come back and mellow out and I sort of kind of weathered the storm but there was a ton of Netflix uh, <laughs> a lot of podcasts uh, erased the DVR completely I think it got through everything on there um, you know I tried to get some home workouts and stuff in and, and now that it's the weather's kind of changed it's been non-stop golf yeah. so I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it Boy, it's been okay for me what shows do we need to watch on Netflix cool well um, so Gosh, there's so many good ones. Um, one of my one of my all time favorites. Uh, I loved I loved love love Daybreak. Um, so my buddy Colin Ford was in it, um, and it's like kind of a it's a zombie apocalypse kind of esque show. So uh, Daybreak was absolutely amazing. Uh, Ozarks is oh, man <laughs> standalone just unbelievable i have two episodes left in the season <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. you gotta watch it like, yeah. uh, i'll just say it'll blow your mind how about that huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about yeah. um let's see ozarks i like a lot uh i said uh, stranger things i'm a big fan of um 13 reasons why 
Um, lo- looking forward to Space Force with Steve Carell. That's kind of uh, next okay. on the list. It's pretty funny. It's a- uh, but yeah, no, I've kind of, I kind of went through a little bit of everything. I, you know what? I became a huge fan of this quarantine that I never watched. I never watched Friday Night Lights. Oh, what? Oh, wow. I'd never Dude, seen Riggins it. Riggins is the man. It's all Riggins for Dude, sure. Texas forever, man. Texas forever. Sure. forever. Yeah, Make yeah. some memories, boys. Yeah. <laughs> man, I love Friday Night Lights. So, that. yeah, so a lot of that. But Friday Night Lights was amazing. Yeah. I, I feel like after I, wa- I, wa- I ripped through all 76 episodes in about <laughs> four weeks. Wow. So, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it's bad. I didn't move off my couch for a good solid three <laughs> Um uh, but I felt like after that, like I had the Texas accent for a while. Texas forever. Texas strong. Texas strong. Let's make some memories tonight, boys. I, 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 I feel like I would, I would write all these inspirational tweets too, and they would all I would I would do them in coach's voice. That's funny. <laughs> well, you kind of touched on it too. I mean, you're in Chicago for this last year, and I mean, me personally, I'm a big Blackhawks fan. My parents grew up in on the South Side. My dad had season tickets at one point. My uncle now has season tickets. So, I mean, for us, Blackhawk, you know, Blackhawk blood kind of runs deep. Like, what's it like getting to work with Pat Foley and Eddie O and, and just a couple legends, yeah. man? I mean, listen, I I think I, I said when I got I got the job and when I got the job in Vegas, I said, hey, you know, what? this is dream come true stuff because it was my first full-time gig in the NHL, but the real dream come true has been the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, it's an original six. It's one of the best sports franchises across all platforms in any market. Um, It's an unbelievable city, and I find myself, you know, walking amongst giants. And and I think for me, it it was kind of like there was the moment right before the season started and then before my first game on air, and I sort of kind of I remember looking at my. I remember looking in the mirror like that last check you do before you leave the house, and you know, and you make sure your tie's straight and everything. And I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is this is as big of big time for me in my career in the twenty five years that I've been doing this as it as it gets." And you know, I owe Eddie Olchek everything for this. Like Eddie gets the primary assists on me getting the gig in Chicago. Things ended not the way that I expected them to end in Vegas after two years and a lot of success there um, in Vegas. And, um, you know, the first phone call I got was Edzo. And, you know, he called me. I was in the middle of another broadcast. And, and I've known Edzo for, oh, gosh, probably uh, probably 15 years. What? Oh, yeah. How'd you meet him? Edzo and I go way back to uh, the Sioux City Musketeers. Wow. Yeah, so his oldest son, Eddie, uh, played there while a good, close family friend of mine, Gaisley, Dustin Gaisley, okay. another yep. uh, great roller hockey yep. player. Um, uh, Gaisley played there, and Gaisley's a close, close family friend. He's as, he's as much of a little brother as my little brother is to me. And so uh, we met there in, in, in Sioux City, and he was just getting started with his broadcasting career. And I was working for NBC Sports at the time, and so I was sort of kind of doing stuff, but I wasn't doing hockey, which was a bummer. And when Edzo and I would roll into Sioux City at the same time, Curtis Anderson, the play-by-play guy there, was just like, you guys can just, you guys take it. So Edzo and I were doing games in the USHL for the Sioux City Musketeers on on radio there for a little while, and wow. uh, so he called right away. Uh, I think the news kind of shocked um, everybody. I, I found out via press release, and and so did wow. so did the every, so did everybody else. So Edzo called. He said he said Gizmo. He goes, "What's up? What happened?" We talked. I, I said, you know. Uh, he goes, do you have a, do you have a plan? And I said, no. I said, you know, not yet. I go, 
I just found out that about the same time you found out, so I'm trying to work through it right now. And he says, let me make some phone calls. We'll be right back with you. That was on a Thursday. And I think by Monday or Tuesday of the next week, um, I was in with the Blackhawks. And so Eddie Olchek uh, to the rescue, um, which is not surprising. He's been a dear friend and he's, he's basically family to me. So to be able to work alongside him on the broadcast on the air is, uh, it means more to me than I could ever probably put it. It's probably the broadcast I did this year with them are the most memorable. And then on top of that, it's, it's Pat Foley. I mean, the oh guy's off. been calling games since the 70s. He's unbelievable. He's a, guy's a, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's a foster kid guy. He's an absolute legend. He's a classy, stand-up guy. And, you know, they those two guys welcomed me into the broadcast like I'd been there forever. There was no hesitation. There was no awkwardness. Uh, I remember I walked into the booth and... You know, Eddie walked me in and, and Pat gave me a big hug. We took a picture. He's like so excited to have you, Gizmo. And it was Gizmo right from the hop. That's awesome. And off we went and off we were running. And that entire organization, I mean, I owe them such a huge debt of gratitude. Rocky Wirtz and the Wirtz family. And then, you know, the leadership on down from his son, Danny, who's now the interim president, to mm-hmm. Jay Blunk and that whole communications department. I mean, guys, I'm telling you right now, like I got off a plane in a suit in Chicago and this was like I mean everything happened so fast I mean I think I found out on September 5th that I wasn't going back to Vegas the first game of the season or uh, exhibition was September 15th so you know it was hustle get to town it's like just like a uh, tired, just like just, you don't know what's going on yeah right and like uh, traded. yeah 100% <laughs> yeah. I, honestly like I feel like it, it, I feel like if I've never obviously played you know, hockey at a, at a high level where I'm getting traded and moved around but it, it did feel like that and I kind of sort of um, I kind of sort of got there and, and Will Chuckerman one of the communications guys met me at the gate gives me this big hug and walks me into the United Center and it's game day I'd never really been in the building before. so you went on game day too for yeah like yeah like this oh, is morning wow. skate morning yeah. skate Amazing. morning wow. skate that is- <laughs> so I walk in they, they introduce me to everybody like I'm shaking hands and, I, and then and then you go right into the room yeah. and then they, they walk you around the room the only guy I knew was I knew Ryan Carpenter because he had just signed there over the summer he was with us in Vegas oh okay so yep. he popped up real quick and I came over and gave me a huge hug yeah. And you know how it is in a hockey room. Like, all of a sudden, the boys, you know, everybody else is like, oh, wait, if he's vouched for... Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then, you know, my one good... My my, my, two, my two best friends play in the NHL, obviously, and so they made some calls to some of the other guys in the room, and I got a pretty warm reception pretty from awesome. uh, from Kaner and uh, and, uh, and 19. And wow. Wow. So it, awesome. I, felt, I felt like I was at home right away. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's I, cool. I knew when I walked in the building, I'm like, yep, this is where I'm, this is where I will, will, will spend the rest of my career if I can. If I'm so lucky. Did you get goosebumps when you walked in? Like, oh, yeah. is it just, that's oh, impressed. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's amazing. I got goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. Nerves. I was like, yeah. Yeah. like nerves. So, yeah. Yeah. There were that's, some nerves. There were some awesome. nerves. There was the first time I've had nerves in, 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 in the 25 years I've done this. I would say, other than the first couple of years, like, Getting to Chicago and, and starting to rub elbows with those guys, and then being on that broadcast, I was 
I was nervous. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, so what is a game day like for a reporter? So obviously it's different from watching it as a fan, watching it as a coach, and as yep. a player, obviously. Yep. Yep. So what's it like? Like, what's your game day routine? What do you have to do? Yeah, great point. You, you watch hockey a billion different ways, I think. Like you can watch it. You watch it one way as a player. You watch it one way as a coach. You watch it one way as a fan. You watch it one way as a fan who's got something deeper invested in. My son's playing. My brother's playing. My best friend's playing. My daughter's playing. Um, the reporter angle for me this year uh, is new. So I've always been a play-by-play guy. And then aside from that, I've been a host. Um, so the reporter angle was was a new angle for me. And as easy as it was to be on the broadcast with Foles and Edzo, it's hard because those guys are so damn good at what they do. <laughs> you got Foley completely describing the play perfectly and then adding in a bunch of stats. And then hand in hand, you've got Edzo, who's one of the most trusted voices in all of hockey, yeah, nailing the analysis like yes. spot on. So for me, I felt like my my primary job was to to dig a lot deeper and to have stuff that I could just complement with whatever they were saying or tee them up for something that I knew Edzo could elaborate on. So for me, my prep was a lot of homework. Uh, I watched a ton of ton of tape on the teams that we were playing so that I was a little versed on systems and things like that because the difference in the broadcast from you know, it was a little bit more one-on-one in Vegas. And then you get to Chicago and, you know, I asked around town. I asked when I was sitting at a bar at a restaurant. I said, hey, what, uh, you know, what do the fans want? Do they want one-on-one? Do they want more in-depth? Like, should I go to the advanced class? And it was like, you got to find a mix. Like, you got to find the entertainment mix. And so, for me, it was a lot of conversations with players after morning skates. Like, Jonathan Taves works incessantly on tips like if there's something that he wants to work on he works on it and he does it for 15 or 20 minutes after practice he'll have guys just ripping clappers at him and he just stands in front of the net and he tips so I talked to him about you know and what's, you're up front and you're watching that oh yeah, you're, Man, yeah that's yeah. amazing and you, you, you know you, you know, so you pull him off to the side and I you know I say to him I said I said you know 19 you're, you're working on you're working on tips a lot I go what's the secret what's the what's the you know what's the thought what's the logic and he'll run you through stuff and he'll talk you through. So in a game, Taves, of course, two two games later, tips in two beauties. And then, you know, they can come to me. I can say I talked to, you know, I talked to I talked to Jonathan this morning, blah, 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 blah. And then Edzo pings off of it, fully pings good. off of it. Yeah, we're great. The folks here at JD's, right? Like, actually, you know what? We're at JD's Big Shot. Just a quick shout out. Doing this pod with uh, Nick. You know the cool thing about um, the cool thing about JD's Bait Shop is, and Dwyer will be able to tell the story too when he comes back. Is is that um, this is a like it's in Centennial, Colorado, which is where we're all at right now, and it's it's basically like an unofficial Blackhawks bar. Really? So I walked in here. I walked in here. I walked in here, let's see, it must have been probably December-ish. I walked in here in December and we were going on a road trip and it was uh, mostly the games were on national TV. So when it's on national, we don't do the games locally. So I walked in and the Hawks game was on and they're like, Gizmo. And I'm like, hey, what's up? They're like, why aren't you on the, I'm like, well, it's an NBCSN game. And they're like, 
the owner came over. They're like, we got the Blackhawks announcer, the unofficial Blackhawks bar in Centennial, Colorado. That's amazing. He's like, this is awesome. So I was back there pouring drinks and <laughs> yeah. taking pictures with everybody. Yeah. But I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It's a couple it's a couple exits away from our house. It's a great so bar, too. It's my go-to place. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I told him to come back out here. So, hey, cool. um, no, just like you said, too, my fiance and I, we lived right around the corner and this uh, a buddy of ours Connor Parker showed me this place and then yeah it was just like JD's like four so yeah. I told Marley to come I don't know if she's coming but uh, but we'll see but um, well I mean I want to dive more into cool. Blackhawks but yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to you know I mean we're here we all play roller yeah yeah I've walking seen, back I've, a little bit and I've yeah. seen you you know, announcing, I actually remember uh, my little brother was in the stands. I was doing a skills competition. It was back in Florida, maybe like 05. And you're, you know, you're interviewing all the kids and yeah. stuff. And yeah. There's a picture of it. And it's so cool, man. And I was like, yeah, that's so cool. And now I get to hear, you know, talking with you and stuff. So, you know, take us back. How did you get into roller hockey? How did that all uh, begin? Uh, for me, hockey has always been the, the driving force. Like, I owe the game of hockey everything. I owe it everything. I owe my friends. I owe my family. I Obviously, I owe my career. I, everything that I can think of in my life that has meaning and is good, family, friends, everything has been a hockey drawback or has a hockey connection. Um, so... In Detroit, roller hockey got really big, and all of these AAA guys. And that's where you're from, is Detroit. I grew up in Detroit. Yeah, yeah I grew up in Detroit. Played hockey in Detroit till I was 15. Um, got hurt, and that's how I got into broadcasting. But coached, like enjoyed coaching quite a bit. And roller hockey was just a nice way to keep was a nice, nice was a great way to keep the season going. Yeah. Right. And uh, initially, I was a skeptical roller hockey. As an ice hockey guy in those early stages, you kept hearing, no, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad for your game. And that is no longer the case. You know, uh, Patty Maroon has helped to abolish that. Bobby Ryan has helped abolish that. And I got to coach some unbelievable players. I mean, we had a Team Mission Detroit 88 team that was just rip-roaring. TMD, that was a fierce club back Ooh. And I tell you what. <laughs> and in, in 2005, uh, we ended up winning the national. Uh, we ended up winning Narch, uh, the national championship, in my opinion. And it was it was unbelievable. I mean, it was it was a battle. It was an absolute battle. I mean, it was some of the most intense hockey that I'd ever coached, that I'd ever been around. Um, but it was unbelievable. Is that and, the year, Kevin, from that story that uh, Darren is telling you about? Which which year? What, what was uh, it? Oh, oh five, two thousand five. Oh five. Uh, Tico Arena. Yeah. Um, were you coaching some 88s? I was yeah. coaching the 88s. Yes. yes. So yeah. while we're so on the Darren, 88s, Darren, Darren oh so we reached out to Darren Goodwin. The first, uh, oh the first game oh of the boy. tournament, basically. Oh, boy. You, Let me uh, preface this yes. with I'm a really hey, nice guy. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm incredibly intense, and I'm a competitor, and I'm a nice guy. I promise I'm a nice guy. Carry on. I'm always positive. I'm a nice guy. Carry on, Dwyer. Darren basically uh, had said that... God. This team was to the nines, like with uh, Kowalski. Uh, well, Randy Kowalski. Kowalski, and he uh, and what he he passed away what a uh, he did years he ago, and he was real real, uh, real sad situation there. He had, a, yeah. he had a bad car accident, but he's uh, an absolutely unbelievable human. This man had a heart of gold. Um, he took care of these kids. I mean, they, these kids were uh, these kids were dialed from head to toe with gear, and I'm talking head to toe. I'm talking. Oh. I mean, they flew you. If if they if you couldn't get everybody on a, on a on a commercial plane, he had a private plane ready to go for you, um, and wanted nothing from it. Uh, you gained and benefited in no way at all. So it was it was it was special. He was he was a good man. Yeah, Randy was a good guy. Awesome. And and so Darren had even said that yeah, like. 
private jets oh, would like come out and stuff like yeah. that. So you dirty pay yeah. for all hotels, you pay for all the travel. Yeah, especially. So I don't, I don't exactly remember how the situation oh, came. Um, <laughs> if there was like a, a penalty that should have been called at a tied game or, or something like that, but he said that they were all up in the bar at Jermaine watching, and he said that he just kept saying, "Gizmo's gonna lose it." Gizmo's gonna lose it, and and apparently, it, you may or may not have shook hands. You went straight up to the refs and were chirping and chewing them out, and then Darren was like, "This guy's got to work with these guys for the next fifteen and sixteen days." And he, day one, he's in their grill, just telling them, "You fucked up," you know. So tell us your perspective. I mean, you won the championship, so I guess it didn't hurt. Didn't 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 hurt. It was nice that we got actual officiating there in the final game. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, I feel like I have a very solid grasp on the game of hockey. I feel that I see it well. I feel that I I have. Uh, um, a decent knowledge of the game and, and its workings, and I felt that a uh, egregious call was made at a inappropriate time of the contest, in which uh, dictated some discussion with the official who um, thought that there was no need for such discussion. Therefore, I elevated my language and tone so as to properly convey my discontent with the ruling on the uh, court. Can we just, holy cow, what a broadcaster's answer, man. That was incredible. That was, in depth. That that was, was amazing. In depth. And, I did march, side, no. and I did march all the way across the rink uh, in a elevated tone, making sure that he and everyone up in the bar that I knew were watching, D, uh, were aware <laughs> of my discontent with that call. Well, we got a couple more. Darren, Darren gave me a couple more stories. But while we're on, while we're on Jermaine uh, and now Hertz Arena yeah. and kind of good memories from that, tell us about 2014 putting together, you know, NBC Universal and having having Narch put together, uh, you know, the broad the championship broadcast at Black Ice and Revision. That's got to be pretty good memories. Well, listen, you know, Darren, Darren is and will always be one of my uh, closest and best friends and Darren gets a lot of credit for helping to prolong my, my broadcast career he uh we were at State Wars in 2005 and uh, got a story there too yeah uh, <laughs> this is actually this is it's an amazing story and I was on the fence like I was a um I will get back right around to the Not, universal I won't forget uh, just it's connectivity here um Darren and I were close he was coaching Team California I was coaching Team Michigan. Um, I'm sorry, it was 2005. It was after this. This was after the Narch Finals had happened. We had won the championship. Uh, this is like the first state wars, first, too. First correct. state wars, yeah, correct. in Chicago. I remember. Yep, yeah, Bensonville. Yeah, Bensonville. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's ironic. I didn't even put that together until just now. But <laughs> so we were there, and we were sharing. Uh, we were sharing a hotel room, and I was on the fence. I was. I was kind of like the big fish in the small pond in broadcasting in Detroit at that time. I was announcing for the Plymouth Whalers and the OHL. Okay. Um, Aliardi, right? I was a kid. Alex Aliardi. Yeah, I know Alex. Okay. I know yeah. Alex well. Okay. Yeah, um, Alex was after me. Okay. Okay. Um, but. I was in Chicago with Darren and I was sort of on the fence and I was a kid. I was, you know, I was, I was a kid and you know, he, he, I, he basically said, you need to take a giant leap. And I said, well, all right. He goes, <laughs> he goes, move to California. 
I go, all right. He goes, move to California next week. And that's how Darren is too. A hundred percent. Like Darren that's is. like that's a oh, yeah. serious plan. Oh yeah, he doesn't mess around. Also, Darren, Darren also doesn't mess around. No, so and, and Darren is a hard guy to say no to. He's an impossibly hard man to say no to. <laughs> because he delivers and you're yeah, like yeah. yeah. So he yes. told me I said, I don't know anybody. He goes, I don't have any. He goes, listen, you can stay with us at our house. He goes, I've got an extra car. He goes, you can stay as long as you need. I'll help you get your feet on the ground and blah blah blah. I was like, all right. I literally drove home from State Wars, told my mom and dad I was moving to California, packed a bag, bought a one-way ticket, flew to San Diego, and that, that conversation I had with Darren was Saturday night. I was in his house by Tuesday. And now, mind you, he has a, he's got like a one-year-old son and a newborn. Yeah. Rylan was like wow, wow. wow. Rye was, was I love Rye I love I love Caden and I love Rye but me and Rye like I bonded with Rye Rye's puked on me I've changed that kid's diaper and, and he's, that's my guy he was, all, he was doing the uh, like the broadcasting of video for merch last yeah, year he's awesome. now. I love it's Rye. just funny I love Rye. it's unreal he's like a little brother but um, then you guys went to the racetrack right well we're not going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was getting at so yeah that's already at after hours yeah we're not getting that'll be an after we're not talking about the race race, right? um, It's fun to bet on the ponies, but we yes, won't, we won't yes. talk about that. Eddie yeah. Olchek would not have been proud of me that day. Um, hey, you won money, apparently. I heard that. I day, did so win. I think he I, would be proud in that regard. He'd have been but. proud of the lead up. He wouldn't have been proud of the finish. Yes. Uh, but yeah, there you go. No, it was um, RDN after hours. But Darren, uh, but but Darren's a good man. He um, he's always looked out for me, and I you know I think if I if I think about my career. Um, when I started doing this at 15, the naysayers were far more prevalent than the people that were, let me say that again. There were plenty of naysayers and their voices were loud, but for every two naysayers, there were 10 people that had their hands on my back, giving me a push in the right direction. Darren was absolutely one of them. Uh, Mike Vellucci was another one of them. Uh, my mom and dad obviously were massive in that regard. So the relationship with Darren is, you know, that's a, that's a, it's weird. It's, it's, it's brotherly. I would say, I'd say it's, he's the first person that I've ever really thought of as like a big brother. That's cool. Um, nice. I wouldn't say father figure cause he's not that old, <laughs> um, but he's been like a big brother and he pushed me in those regards. And so I will always, you know, go to the moon and back for a guy like Darren. Darren's in the same category as an Edzo, as a awesome. Mike Vellucci. Like these are guys that if they called me right now, and I was sitting here doing this podcast and they're like, hey, we need a kidney. I'd be like, all right, well, I will go find a butter knife and cut mine out <laughs> right here and I'll give it to you yeah. because yeah, that's just how it is. But those guys, um, you know, the Darrens of the world, you know, had my back and even still like supported me. Like they've always been the ones that are like the first ones to call and be like, oh, I'm so proud of you that yeah. this happened. I'm so stoked for you that this happened and always believed in me. So I had a, you know, I had a, a great role going with NBC where I was a producer and, you know, he basically wanted to get, wanted to get it going, wanted to find a way to build the sport back up roller hockey gold for a minute there right it dipped and i'm like let's put it on tv yeah he's like well how do we do that i'm like let me make a couple phone calls we needed programming there was the opportunity to do it so i basically said hey let's do it let's get this programming going let's let's find a way to make it work and i basically went to my producers my bosses and said hey can we do this and they're like if you can pull it off i can pull it off and i said i can do this for cheap 
roped in Jeremy Ellis to be my partner. <laughs> and um, Jeremy Ellis. Jeremy Ellis. Yeah, I love that guy. Uh, too. We should have brought him around. But um, and so yeah, and so we did it, and then we did it again, and it was uh, it was a massive success. The production value was awesome. The games couldn't have been better. Oh man, um, I was stoked for Black Ice. Uh, what I a run to guys. have, you know, to do it too. You know, oh. impressive run. Oh. First pro Cinderella story. Cinderella story. NBC like broad like it. On NBC, the stars align, you know? and Dees is wearing a white helmet while everyone else is wearing a black helmet. <laughs> Just have to shout that out, you know. Daniel it was mismatched. Yeah. That helped me as a broadcaster, right? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you're trying to find defining things, and like you're seeing these guys for the first time, and there's no names on the back of the yeah. jersey, so it's one of those where yeah. you're like, you got the roster in your hand, and you're down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, and you're getting yourself dizzy, and that's hard. Oh, that's yeah. really hard. It's hard yeah. to do. It's hard to do. Yeah, but it was incredible, and it meant a lot to me to be able to do that. You know for Darren and for the sport of roller hockey because the sport of roller hockey embraced me and took care of me and has always looked out for me so I've always felt the need to make sure that I'm giving back in some regard and and did so and have done and you know nothing I wouldn't do for Darren um, nothing I wouldn't do for Narch uh, you know a lot of memories a lot of great relationships out of that I mean uh, Scotty Savage is still one of my closest pals. That's sick. You That's know, sick. I talk to Scotty all the time. I love Scotty. And whenever I was in Boston doing the marathon and Scotty was there playing, BC. playing college yeah. hockey for BC, I take Scotty out to a real nice steak dinner on the um, on the on the Friday before the Boston marathon. That's awesome. Hey, 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 That's cool. So, I love Scotty. I miss you, kiddo. <laughs> Call me more often. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, I was uh, as we were walking in here, I was on the phone with Boyo about some stuff, and I had a boy Arski and I had asked yeah. him too. I'm like, what's you know, what's something you remember about Gizmo? Because we're about to sit down and interview him, and you know, he and and you know. Rob reached out to Darren. We reached out to Darren. Kotcher hit me up this morning. I love this. Like I that. love you guys did the little the homework. And, and virtually, sick. you know, all we get from it is like, man, you're just a great guy. And I remember Nick. Nick well, no, I don't remember. Nick had said that you know you were coaching the Habs at the time, and Nick had his '91 Outcast team, yep. and and they would come to you know Irvine or yep. OC, and a lot of a lot of you know feedback Nick would get was people kind of saying like who, who do they think they are coming here and playing and he said that you were one of the only people who went out of your way to talk to Nick and talk to about talk to him about his program and just kind of you know make him feel a little welcome coming to a tournament where yeah there's competition but the sport doesn't grow by Without people you. being intimidated yeah. coming to tournaments and things like that so yeah, I mean it just speaks to you just speaks to you well listen I, I I've always been in the mind that you you you've got to be a good you've got to be a good person you've got to help people out you've got to be kind like especially now like look at the world that we're living in right now look at the situation we've got massive unemployment um, we've got everything that's that's going on with the conversation now again and finally and rightfully so being elevated in regards to race and it's just be a good person. And so much of this could be fixed with just treating other people the way you want to be treated. Like, I'm sorry, like my, my mom, my golden rule, my mom and dad raised me in, in such a manner where, like, I feel very comfortably that I could say that I honestly don't look at anybody differently based on their socioeconomic standing, their political rights, their sexual orientation, their race, their religion. I don't care. Are you a good person? Yes? Yeah. Great. Then I'm going to be a good person to you. If you're a jerk to me, 
I'll give you a chance, but if you're continually a jerk to me, I'm probably not gonna give you the time of day and I'm gonna distance myself from you because I just don't wanna be around you. Yeah. But if you're a good dude and you care and you're outwardly an all right person, well then I'm okay with you. I don't, that's all I care yeah. about. Yeah. Like, I don't give a shit about the color of somebody's skin. I don't give a shit. I, I don't care about anything other than just being a good person and helping other people. Yeah. And I will help people who I don't even know if I feel like those people need help. So for like a Nikki and those guys, like, of course, I'll go out of my way and look out for guys like that because, hey, yeah, I understand that uncomfortableness of being in a spot where you don't maybe know people or you're, you know, you're the odd man out because you're the team from wherever coming into play every other team from California. So for me, it's just always, it always has been about being a good guy. And at the end of the day, I feel like you're not judged on your accomplishments. You're not judged on how much money you've made. You're judged on who you are and how you treat other people and what you've done for other people. And if you can affect positive change in one person's life, well, God bless you. And if you can do more than that, amen. So for me, it's always been about make people feel good. I've had enough moments in my life where it hasn't been great. There's been moments. Yeah, We've all had moments. So yeah. So I read an article today by Scott Powers from The Athletic. And, uh, <laughs> he was so he's, he was talking about how you're always looked at as a nice guy, and that you also have had hardships and adversity through this whole thing. Yeah. Um, what can? How has the adversity and the hardships and stuff made you better as a person, and have you like progressed in your career because of that? I think it's tenacity. I think in order to be successful in anything in life, but especially in broadcasting, especially at the level that I'm at, I'm like, I have a job where there's, there's only 30 other people that have my job. There's 31 of us in the NHL, about to be 32 when Seattle comes in, but there's 31 of my jobs in the league. Yeah. So you better be good and you better be ready to rock and you better be at the top of your, you better be at the top of your game. And I think that you know, the adversity has certainly given me um, some perspective and, and, and at least a little bit of challenges where I've had to understand that, okay, these bad things are going to happen. They're inevitably going to happen. You're inevitably going to get screwed over or, or something here or there, and you're going to have to find a way to push past it. And I think that's what separates people in life from finding success and not and it's hard to do listen it's hard to do like I've, I've had moments where it's been like last summer was not a good time like I probably had the best year of my broadcasting career at that time last year with the Golden Knights and we were the number two most watched broadcast in the league I got nominated for a couple of Emmys Things were going unbelievable. Thank too, you so that's much, a, That's So, I mean, I guess the adversity has been probably some of the best moments that could happen to me because all it's done is given me that, it put me against a wall. Great. I want to be against a wall. It gives me something to push off of. And, and I think that's kind of the way I look at it. So, I mean, I think for me, if you're asking for specific moments of adversity in my career, I, I would say... The biggest of which was in 2007 in Los Angeles. I was running out of money. I was running out of options for broadcasting and I had a chance encounter at LAX and that got me the job at NBC. And I turned that encounter in LAX on Christmas Eve into a 13 year run with NBC Sports. And then when that was coming to an end and NBC wanted to try to get me to move to Connecticut and I just didn't want to do that, nothing against NBC. Uh, Because I'm back with NBC now, regionally. Um, I love you. 
peacock for life. Um, I, uh, I, did um, you say peacock? Peacock. Yeah, the peacock. Yeah, yeah, I get it. That's amazing. I just, that's so amazing. I never realized gonna, that until you peacock. told me that. Yeah, it's a peacock. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably going to have to get that as a tattoo eventually. Yeah, dude, that's right. Um, because it spanned the majority of my career. That's amazing. Um, but there was that moment of adversity where I was like, okay, now I'm in trouble again. I can find another job. And then I got the night, I got the job with the Knights. And then, you know, the season two. Yeah. And then the adversity crept in again when, you know, they made a wholesale broadcasting change. Do you want to explain on that? Kind of what happened with Aaron Vegas? Yeah. Um, Listen, we had a really great, we had a really great thing. We had a really great broadcast. We, um, my, my you guys got to the cup final year one so I mean like obviously there was not wasn't tough to announce <laughs> those guys either well listen there was a lot of emotion involved in it and again you talk about adversity and what was your job there as well so studio sorry I was a studio host there. okay so yep. the shooting had just happened yeah studio, pre-game right? post-game intermission so the, the October 1 shooting had just happened and you know, I was intimately involved in another sports-related. Well, that wasn't really sports-related, but I mean, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was right on top of the bomb that happened in Boston in 2013. So I was reporting on the Boston Marathon for NBC NBC Sports, and you know, that all happened, and I was, you know, very close to to where the first explosion happened, and so you know, it's yeah, you see things and you go through things and, you know, um, then things happen again and you're in that spot where, okay, great, now, now the October 1 shooting happens and you see how sports can kind of help and kind of heal and we saw it with, you know, the return to baseball after 9-11. We saw it with the next marathon the very next year in Boston and how that city rallied around it and how they had the biggest field they've ever had. And, and, and same in Vegas. You saw the, sh- the shooting occur. And then you saw these guys all rally around the city. They got out of the community right away. The community didn't know them. They didn't really know the community. They were brand new there. for sports team of Vegas. Exactly. And so everybody just sort of rallied around everybody. And it was this... It was this unbelievable situation where we just saw everybody sort of kind of fall in love with the team and the team fall in love with the city. The situation where you had the city rallying around the team, the team rallying around the city. And I remember that very first game in T-Mobile Arena was a home opener. And, oh, my God, the energy, the emotion, like you just felt it. And I looked over at my producer after we did the pregame show. And I said, they're going to win this game, and they're going to win this game by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and they came out, and they just rolled them. I don't even remember who they played. They, uh, Arizona. Okay, it was Kyle. Oh, man, it was, it was like two minutes in. <laughs> two minutes in. Yeah, I remember watching, too. I had Flurry, fantasy hockey. Yeah. I was like, let's get the huge Flurry fan. Huge. Here. Yeah. But no, um, I don't think it was Nosek. Somebody, though, like buried. Tomas like, Nosek, I think, buried it right away. Buried it right away. It was just, it was unbelievable for me. And then. How did you feel? Sorry, before you. How did yeah. you feel after Derek Engling's uh, speech? Oh, it's goosebumps. Tears. Tears. I mean, it was the first time I. First time I had probably, like, tears from a sporting event emotionally in a long time. And, I mean, it was just England spoke right from the heart. He's a Vegas guy. A lot of history there. A lot of emotions for him there. And just to be able to see how much it meant to him and to see him roll with it the way he rolled with it and to give the speech he gave and to have the first responders out on the ice, it was just, yeah, it was heavy. And um, I listen. I cannot say enough about that community and that fan base, and it will always and forever hold a super special spot in my heart. I mean, those fans brought me in, made me feel like I was part of the family, felt made me feel like I was part of the community forever. Um, and even when I've gone, I've been back there a couple of times since, and 
mean, they come up to you in the street. They come up to you in the airport. I mean, they give you hugs. They post pictures. I mean, you felt like a rock star in that town. Dude, your suits were it. rock stars. I, yeah. I, I, some, I was rock yeah, stars. You were a rock star. We had some suits. We had some suits. I've seen, you know, now now with your black eye, I've seen when you post things on Instagram, a whole bunch of Vegas fans like, we miss you. Yeah, you always get that. It's like, you were awesome. We hope you're doing well. And it means a lot. And, you know, I think my biggest fear going into Chicago was was trying to recreate that and trying to win the fans over and trying to show them that I was going to be invested and that I was going to care and I was going to be a huge part of that community too. And it, it took a couple months. But I mean, man, the tide turned in Chicago, and those 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 fans embraced me um, the same that the, sh- that the fans in Vegas did. And to answer the, the question, it, you know, we had a great year. We had we had a really great broadcast team. Myself um, and Ali Lozoff, who was our ringside reporter, and uh, Brad May was my partner. No way, Dave. I mean, what, what an legend. absolute beauty that yeah. guy is. I mean, <laughs> That's amazing. Beauty in the dictionary, and yeah. that is right there. And the, <laughs> the fun that I had with that man, I mean, he is to this day one of my closest and dearest friends, too. Um, I adore him. That is a fantastic human being who, so who you know, I'd drop anything and do for. I mean, I just love the man. And uh, we had a great thing. We had great chemistry. We had a great broadcast. The community liked us. Uh, we had great ratings across the league. We were number two most watched broadcast in the league. All of us got nominated for Emmys. Yeah. And and uh, we were up for renewal. And we kind of went through the summer just waiting for something to happen. I moved. I had done. I was doing tennis for CBS uh, and ESPN for World Team Tennis to kind of bridge the gap. So I was sort of focused on that, and I just assumed that we would get the deal done. Um, and then all of a sudden it just got quiet and um, we found out uh, very late uh, in the summer um, August, September that they were not going to renew uh, my contract or Brad May's contract or Ali Lozoff's contract and uh, that was about the end of it we, we we were a little bit blindsided by it we really had no, no idea and we had no reason to believe we weren't going back so you know we just kind of had to think on our feet real quickly and come up with a come up with a come up with a plan like I had gotten nominated for um, for Emmys Ali Lozoff our ringside reporter won an Emmy yeah. she won two Emmys like how many like, that's so insane we were all just a little surprised I think and I think I think the community and the fan base was too but you know I, you know, sadly everything happens for a reason I, I loved it there I loved the community and I loved the fans but I mean to be in Chicago and to be with an original six, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, okay. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Did you did you have a feeling in the rink or in the organization that you guys weren't going to have a contract the next year? Or is everything pointing green and going towards like... I had no sense that I was fully preparing and planning on and expecting to be back in Vegas for this season. So, yeah, up until uh, very late August, very early September, um, I had assumed I was going back to Vegas. And the later that it got into the summer, the more I had expected that I was going back to Vegas. you haven't heard anything. It's like, hey, you know, we're going, you know. Uh, It's September. It's it's August. The games are starting less than a month. We got less than a month to go before they drop the puck on the exhibition year or uh, on the preseason. So, I just assume like okay, all systems go, and then 
you know, the hammer drops and you just kind of, you know, it was, you know, it was the first, it was one of the first moments in my, it was one of the first moments in my career that sort of kind of buckled me for a minute. I don't, I won't say it put me on both knees, but I definitely took a knee for a second and was like, okay, well, this is weird. Yeah. This isn't what I thought. And, you know, it hurts you too, right? Because I don't do anything half ass. Like I have to full send it. There's no half all send. In. I'm all in. All in, baby. I'm all in. By a million things of gear. I'll, I'll, I'll invest in the community. I'll spend money on those types of things. So for me, it's you go full into whatever you're doing and you give it all of your heart. So I invested all of my heart in that community. I invested all of my heart in that organization. And then for it to... For it to end abruptly, it hurts. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like breaking up with a girl. Yeah. <laughs> it felt the exact same way, to be quite honest. I felt breaking like, up with a girl geez. getting broken up. Uh, getting broken <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Wait, that's a very good distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a very good distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I was like, I, mean, I bought the ring and I'm getting ready to propose. And then at the proposal dinner, she's like, I don't think this is working out. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? No. <laughs> but I love you. Yeah. yeah, but I don't love you. So cheers to that, kid. So as you said that you um, it kind of ended abruptly. Can you take us to that story of now, like, but how you got with the Chicago Blackhawks? Yeah, so I know we talked about it. Talked about it earlier, but um, but 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 yeah. So Edzo called. Uh, so I think the press release. So my agent called me, and I love my agent. Debbie Spander is she's been a godsend too. Like she's your agent becomes in these situations when you're a broadcaster, they become a little bit of your partner. They're your, they're the person you can be most honest with. They're the person that's going to be most honest with you. She's going to shoot me straight. She's going to say, hey, that was a great broadcaster. Hey, that wasn't your best broadcast. And I fully believe her, love her, trust her, understand her. And um, she, she had told me about a week before I found out officially that there was that she was getting a bad feeling that, 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 that she was getting a bad feeling yeah and so I started to mentally prepare for something's coming and to be honest with you guys like my stomach was giving me the gut feeling that yeah something is not right this here this late in the summer I don't have a deal communications have dried up it's hard to get a hold of anybody um so a press release came out on a Thursday and I got about an hour's heads up before that press release came out from my agent from Debbie and Debbie's like hey just prepare yourself this press release is coming she's like I want you to get ahead of it so I crafted a I, I want you to I want you to craft a tweet and I want you to post stuff and I want you to get ahead of it and I want you to tell your side of it before anybody else tells their side of it and so I did and so I got ahead of it and I, I tweeted something out and then the press release came out and literally like three hours after the press release came out the phone was ringing and it was Eddie Damn. Wow. And, and Edzo's like what do we gotta do do you have a plan if not we'll figure out a plan I said blah 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 and he said he goes well I want you here with me in Chicago and I said Edzo I said if Chicago's open I said I will be there that's tomorrow. amazing and, oh um, my god! literally he made a couple of phone calls and then I had a great conversation with Greg Bowman at NBC Chicago and I had an unreal conversation with two guys in the Hawks organization who who I owe my who I owe this to as well and it's 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 Adam Rogowin and it's John Steinmiller and I talked to Adam for about a half an hour 45 minutes and I felt like I'd known this guy my entire life and then he said hey 
my guy's gonna call you John Steinmiller. And then John Steinmiller called me and I had a conversation with him for about 20 minutes. And I hung up the phone with both of those guys. And first off, I was like, those guys are awesome. I really hope I get this job because they're gonna be friends of mine forever. And I'm also gonna have a lot of fun with them. And then I also hung up the phone and I thought, I'm pretty sure I just got that job. <laughs> and I literally, I called my mom. I hung up with John. I talked to, I talked to, I talked to Edzo and then I talked to, um, uh, Bowman and then I uh, Greg Bowman not Stan and then I talked to Adam Rago and I talked to John, Stein, John Steinmiller and then I called my mom and I was like mom I'm we're good I, I'm pretty sure I'm Chicago bound and, and so yeah so listen um, that article by Scotty Powers was awesome Scott's a great guy um I try to be positive. I try to keep the open mind. And as I do, these types of things continue to happen. And you just be good to people. Like, I've been good to Edzo's family, right? So even when I didn't have anything to gain from being friends with Edzo, I was, you know. His family. Yeah, his family. And, you know, when Edzo went through what Edzo went through, you know, I cried when I saw that news. Like, when I when I heard that Edzo was, was in the fight that he was about to be in, I mean, I openly wept. And I called him right away, and I called his son right away. His son was playing down at Colorado College. And I said, Nikki, I said, I will be there every day if you need someone to sit with you or to take you out to dinner or to whatever. Or if you need to get away, you can come up to my place in, in Parker, and you can stay. It's just you you do for family. Yeah. You, you do for family. Doesn't matter what it is. You just do it and then you figure it out later. So yeah, so Edzo Edzo gets the primary apple there. He yeah, gets he gets the A. That's awesome. So we have uh CJ's here. He's joining us. He has, yeah. a, he has a question. CJ, what's up? Let's I, go. This is my first time. Drinking beers, yeah. having fun. Let's go. Do we get a cheers here before you yeah. Yeah. Let's go. There it is, there it is. That's it. Welcome to work. I don't mean to go back to Vegas. I don't mind. I don't mind. In their inaugural season and having that telecast or um how how the contract worked to where it was only one year and Vegas is this new team and it's just a one year contract for yeah. you and I mean is that how, how normal that work? is that, is that how normal? normal? Yeah, great question. So typically what goes on is is that there's two there's two factions of the broadcast. So you've got the broadcaster and then you've got the team. Most of the time what happens is is that the team will hire the play-by-play, the color, and the ringside reporter. So technically what normally happens is is the play-by-play, the color, and the ringside reporter are employed by the hockey team, so the goal of the nights. Yeah. The pregame, the postgame, the intermission is the network. Is the network. Okay. Okay. So you have these two separations. That makes sense. For the Vegas Golden Knights, that was the case. They had hired the play-by-play in the color. The ringside reporter, so Ali, myself, the host, and my partner, the analyst, Brad May, were employed by AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain. Oh, so it's, okay. Um, And they had it on a two-year contract, and um, basically there were some negotiations that happened that I was unaware of over the course of the summer in which... Um, the team decided that they were going to take over full control of hiring all the broadcasters okay. and 
So they made a different decision than the one the, the network was planning on making. And okay. that's what led to the departure of myself and Allie and Brad. Well, kind of a blessing. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so in Chicago, original six. Like, so, original you know, six, baby. Talking about Chicago, I know we were talking about, you know, there's two roller players. I think, no, two or three. Two, yeah, two or three, but yeah. definitely. You're yeah. talking about Brixie and Stromer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, Brixie and Stromer, have you guys, have you ever talked to them about playing roller? Or how oh, many yeah. NHL guys like know the game of roller and oh, yeah. really are like dived in? I think more guys know about it than, than they let on. You know who's another sneaky roller hockey player that nobody ever talks about because he really didn't play in North America? Who? Andre Kopitar. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a picture of him. Was it, Slo- is it Slovenia? Slovenia. 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 Yeah. Dude, that picture is amazing. Yeah. I, I know exactly what so, you're talking about. So, Cope's a good friend of mine. But, yeah, no, Brinksy and Stromer, we actually had some good laughs. And Brinksy, those are probably two guys that I'm, I'm closest to on the Hawks. Um, as close as you can be. As, as, you know, as Michigan boy. Guy, yeah. Michigan boy, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So, Brinksy grew up just a couple towns over from me. So I grew up in Plymouth. I'm pretty sure he's Farmington Hills or Nova guy. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we've had some talks and we've had some talks about roller hockey. Those guys love it. And they played on the same... They played Waring, play Johnny Waring, too. Johnny yeah, Waring. yeah, yeah, I played yeah. against the Brinkett a couple summers yeah. ago. Brinksy's so good, dude. Yeah. He's so dirty. <laughs> I, I love Brinksy. I played, I played, I played against him in, uh, what was that, 2015 in a junior championship. I love Brinksy. Holy shit. Oh, he's good. He's good. He's good. Beckett, like, and so then when the Hawks drafted him, I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, we, we, we squeaked a win against him in that chance, but like, Brinksy's. I'll never forget what Jay Miro said about this. It's the funniest thing. What he even that? said on the pie, he's like, I didn't say that, Mr. Debrinket. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we had a timeout. And, and he he caught a three already. He yeah. caught a three in the first period, oh, and it was sick. just like brings he's sick. Man, you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. Just like. And so we have a timeout. It's late in the game. We're up five to four. And I just remembered Miro saying like, "Don't let that little Weasley fuck get a shot or a look." And I think uh, Vcal was taking the face off on the final draw. And whoever took it for the excitement, they won it clean. They won it right to JC, and JC ripped it. I made the save, and I remember KJ and Billy coming in the locker room afterward, and they're like, Vcal, you got one job to do in the game, and you can't even win the fucking faceoff? And, like, it was just – all of it was so funny. That was the first and only time I've ever played with Black Ice, but I will never forget it, especially in that game because, man – Miro was fired up. He's like, I'm not losing a junior championship to the excitement of George. And, you know, they got Alex to break it on the team. And so, yeah, it was it was a treat to play against him, man. I, I, I hope in some day, it probably will never happen now, but he comes back and plays a little bit and gets the wheels on a little bit because, yeah, he's – He's a spectacle, man. It's He's, amazing to watch him play. And for a little guy, the way he shoots the puck, it's, it's incredible. Oh, he's good. It's amazing. <laughs> he's good. And, you know... He's such a good kid, too. I say he's a kid. He's younger than me. Brinks, he's great. Um, I adore him. Uh, it's, it's fun. It was fun to talk to him, and it was fun to kind of... We have a couple different connections. we got the roller hockey connection. we got the Michigan connection. Mm-hmm. Um he knows he knows uh, my agent really well. Nice. Uh, so there's there's a lot of connections there, but he's a good dude. And I'll tell you what, like that was the biggest part of most of this year for me was creating those relationships. You know, you, you you've got to build those bonds, and you gotta 
you get a little bit of a leg up because people help you out. Like, they understand, oh, you know this guy and you know that guy. You must be good to go. You must be vouched for. And then you build that trust throughout the season. You take care of them. I know about injuries that you don't talk about. You know about things. You don't sewer a guy. Um, that's not my job. There's no benefit in that. Um, there's no benefit in that. There's no need for me to do that. So you build that bond. You build that trust. You build that relationship. I think the guy that I the guy that I was most nervous about was was 19. And, <laughs> you know, went through most of the season. He's so professional. He's so well spoken. He's so mature beyond his age. He's such an impressive human being. Um, and you know, it was always Nick, Nick, yeah. Nick, yeah, Nick. Nick, Nick, you know, whenever we were talking or interviewing or whatever. And I did a charity interview with him. Um, we did a charity event with him. He's got an unbelievable initiative in um, uh, in Chicago. And he does so much great stuff for that city. But I went and I, I emceed his charity event for him. And I met his mom and dad. Wow. That's sick. And I told him, I said, I said, dude, I said, I got to, I got to, I got to tell you. I said, you're, you're, you're as classy as they come. I said, I, I you're. You're the captain. I said, I don't play for you. I said, but I'd follow you. Um, <laughs> Lead I, you told, to battle. I told his mom and dad in front of him, I said, your son's got a gravitational pull to him. Like, you just, he does. Holy like, God. you're in his circle or you're in his in his atmosphere or stratosphere or whatever. And you're just like, yeah. <laughs> like, you, you don't even, you don't even know the guy. You listen to him talk and you see his compassion and his conviction. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to follow that guy into hell if that's where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> and, um. It was, it was it was midway into the season and, and he had had an unbelievable period and I get to pick who I interview in the first intermission and he, he was playing great and I said oh let's do I go let's do taser he scored a goal he hit a post and he comes out and there's a couple of seconds I have with the at, with, with the player before we come on live to do the interview in the intermission and I said uh, you know I said Cap I said I'm going to talk to you about uh, the goal he scored we're going to talk about the post and we'll just talk about third period three questions is what you get he goes oh, I knew you are going to bring up the post <laughs> he goes he goes he goes hey is it cool if I uh, is it cool if I call you Gizmo and uh, I go yeah I go you you yeah that's yeah. pretty st- I go yeah you call me you call me Gizmo <laughs> <laughs> he goes, is it, is it, is it, it's okay to call Gizmo on the air? And I'm like, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's for sure. I mean, it's, I mean, it's cool if you want to call me Twirls Gizmo on the air. I was like, I'm losing my shit, right? And uh, and so, so sure, sure enough, we do the interview, and uh, at the end of the interview, he goes, hey, you know, I said, you know, good luck out there in the, uh, good luck out there in the second period. He goes. Ah, he goes, thanks a lot, Gizmo. He goes, you too, bud. And he gives me, he gives me, <laughs> he gives me the, he gives me the, he gives me the, you know, the hockey player, you know, back smack. Yeah. I walks into the locker room and I, I, I signed off and threw the commercial. And the PR person that's their handler, they always have somebody that's with them, right? Somebody in the communications department that's that's at their side, that's helping them out. And uh, Jonathan walks into the locker room right outside of where we did the interview, and the, the communication guy looks over at me and he gets this big grin and he gives me this giant thumbs up. He's like, Welcome to the club, kid. <laughs> and from there on out, it's Gizmo and blah, blah, blah. That's and, unreal. And, you know, for me, that's that's fun, right? Because that's me doing my job. That's me breaking down and getting comfortable with you, too. That being able to, yeah, 100%. You know, like, letting them talk to me and having and, and then to telling me stuff and actually, you know, and they know, like, they listen, they watch, they know, they know yeah. I'm not going to. Sewer them, they know I'm gonna look out for them, and they know that I'm a hockey guy. Yeah, I think 
anybody can cover the sport of hockey. It's a great game. It's inclusive. But I think there's a little bit of a hockey guys know hockey. Like you boys know. Yeah. Hockey guys know hockey guys. And it's an immediate let the guard down. You're cool. You're good. You're part of the club. Who's one of like the most interesting guys you get to interview with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks? That's like, I love interviewing. Like, obviously you have the and Kaner, but like, it has to be uh, someone else too. Yeah, my, 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 my Robin Leonard was one of my favorites. Oh, oh man. That's like So Robin yeah. is actually... I was bummed when Robin got traded. Um, professionally, it was, it was it was a. I understand what the Blackhawks are doing. Personally, he was my guy. Like we were both the new guys. Um, we bonded right away. He, I would talk to him after every morning skate, after every game. Um, I love Robin. I love what Robin has done for mental health. I love what Robin has done Absolutely. for addiction. That man is an absolute rock star, and His he story is, is pretty unreal. He can come back and play the way he does. Is just, that guy is in. Unbelievable goaltender. He was highly touted. He had a lot of pressure on him for a long time. And so, yeah, for him to kind of come out and say that and have the years he's had between the Islanders and the Hawks, I mean, I talked to, you, you got to root for him. I root for him. I will always root for him. I, I talked to him yesterday, actually. We, we remain close. And he's just, he's a stud. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a stud. He's a stud human being. He's honest. He's 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 raw. He just says exactly whatever, whatever it is he wants you to say. And I think that's incredible. Um, he's fantastic. He's a fun interview, but the most, the biggest interview I had in my career was the Patrick King thousand point interview. Oh shit! Yeah, um, you know, he he, he we had to do our homework. He got that. He got that thousand point this year, and it was at the United Center. So, you know, the biggest interview, I've been doing this for a long time. I've, I've got two buddies, obviously, playing in the NHL, but the, the, the Patrick King scores his thousandth point. We're at the United Center. How is that arena when he scores? Oh, man, that arena is insane. Regardless, like, I thought T-Mobile was crazy, and then you get into the United Center when the Hawks are rolling, and that place is just nonstop. I mean, there's 22,000 people in there. T-Mobile's got, like, 17, so there's 22,000 in the United Center. They're all going crazy. The bench clears to congratulate him. Jonathan Tays cleared it with the referees beforehand, so it's awesome. So, look, they have this massive celebration. He, he, he ends up having an epic game. The Hawks win. So I have the post-game live interview on the ice for the three stars. And I'm standing in the tunnel uh, like I normally do when the Hawks win the game, getting ready to go out onto the bench. And I'm right behind the bench. And my producer's in my ear. And he's like, hey, you're going to be live on NBCSN. You're live on NHL Network. You're live on NBC Chicago. You're and then, live. <laughs> and then obviously you're in, you're you know, everywhere. there's 22,000 people hanging around in the arena. They go, like, three or four questions with the kid. And I got nervous. And it was the first time, like, I was like, I, like, actually got nervous. And um, John Steinmiller, who's normally with me in the tunnel at the end of the game, he looked over at me. And he's normally, he's on my hip a lot. Like, he's on my hip for the pregame interview um, you know we do the pregame interview on the bench and he's the guy that came up to me once and he said he goes hey he goes I was getting ready to do the pregame interview and I'm leaning on the bench and it's dark in the United Center before the lights come up before the guys, guys come on the ice so and he, goes, he goes you're smiling all the time I said buddy I said, if you ever come out here and I'm not smiling, it's time for me to find a new job. Yeah. <laughs> so, so John's with me. So he knows me. He knows my emotions. He knows my process when I'm on TV. 
And he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, Gizmo, he goes, you look nervous. And I go, a little nervous right now. <laughs> he goes, why? I go, I don't care about the audience. This is a massive moment for 88. Like, it's a massive moment for Kaner. Yeah. Like, I want to ask the right questions. I want him to be able to express what he's feeling. And so I got out there and we do the interview and it was heavy. Like it was a great interview. He was emotional. You could see it in my eyes. And, um, you know, we finished the interview and he, he, he look, he, you know, he's, he's looking me in the eye and he gave me the, he gave me the shoulder pad, like the thanks Gizmo. That was, that's what, that's what, that was, that was wow. what, and he, he walked down the hallway and I gave him a couple pat on the back and, um, yeah, I mean, that was Cheers probably, that. Yeah, yeah, I got a big series right there. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. 88's a good dude. I like 88 quite a bit. Unfortunately, you weren't there for the three cups that they won. I wasn't sure you see the whole. Yeah, we got a shot at another one this year. Exactly. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll just be there for their, like, well, their, oh, their best player's greatest moment of his career so far has been the, or maybe it's not his best moment, but. Oh, I would say it's one of his biggest. Very, very big moment. I mean, seventh, you know, seventh, I think, seventh active, I don't remember exactly and I know I should but I've had a whiskey too but seventh active player to do it fourth ever Blackhawk to do it um, you know mo- monumental moment for Patrick Kane and super special to be a part of it and, and, and you know I I really truly enjoyed getting to, to cover it and getting to talk to him and I, I have an infinite amount of respect for who he is as a player and who he is as a person so that was awesome um, I guess we wanted to bring up the yeah two best friends or you said two really yeah. good friends in the yeah, NHL. Yeah, yeah they boys. both they, won cups, they too. Cups. Yeah. One of them won us Conn Smythe, and oh, the yeah. other one, we were... I was thinking, I dropped <laughs> this to Tim earlier, and I was like, I don't know who the second person is. Rob told me. So it's Justin Williams. Yeah. Game and Mr. Game <laughs> Yeah. Is that true? Those are my boys. Okay. How can you speak boys. to those guys? Because they're such big names in the sport uh, and everything. Well, let me speak to them as people first. Yeah. Uh, and my friends. Uh, I mean, these are two guys that... Again, there's a there's a small circle of people that it's the use the butter knife to cut an organ out for, and Cope and Willie are, are in the mix. I've known Just since we were 15, 16 years old. Um, he's family. He's a he's a he's a brother to me. Um, he's, he's got two he's got two kiddos, Jax uh, and Jade, and you know I'm Uncle Nick to them, and and. Uh, uh, I don't know what I would actually do without those two guys. Like they're my barometer. They're my, they're my, they're my pressure release valve. They're the guys that I go to when I'm having a problem, when I can't tell anybody else. They're the guys that are, you know, pumping my tires. Justin had my back instantly, very publicly. He had a big tweet that came out after the Golden Knights situation happened. Um, yeah, I mean, they're unbelievable human beings and they're obviously unbelievable hockey players. And I, I told you earlier, hopefully you're all still listening, but um, I told you earlier that you watch hockey a lot of different ways. I don't think I've ever watched hockey like I watched hockey when I was in Los Angeles in 2012 and 2014 watching Kopi and Justin win Stanley Cups. It's, oh, man. That's it's, it's, together. it's unbelievable. And when Justin won the Con Smite in 14, I mean, I was heavily emotional. I mean, I've watched this guy battle hard. Like, he's battled hard. He's had some adversity. It's Mr. In his Game life. 7, too. 
he is incredible. He's always been clutch. Yeah. But, you know, now, you know, looking back on it, I think it's spe- spectacular. Justin's won three cups in a con smite. Kopi's won two cups. Um, and I've been at the parties. And How are those parties? Yeah, they're, they're in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably can't have a party in. You got a lot of after hours with this guy. Yeah. We have more after hours. I was, at, I was at Kopi's 2012 cup party in Slovenia. Oh, and, wow. Oh, my God. It's massive. So that's Amazing. probably most of like his family and friends. Oh, are like, yeah. And it's, it's, it's powerful. Like these people, they mean, it means so much more to me than you can, you can figure out a word to describe and whatnot. Um, and you think about it and you think about, you, you know, you watch them win it and then you get on the ice and then you're there for the after party in the arena. And then you, you, you know, you, you just kind of see everything play out the way it is, but no, they've always had my back. I was, I was in, um, I was in Raleigh, um, a couple of weeks ago with Justin and it's fun hanging out with him and it's just, it's just, there's, there's, you know, whether I see him every four months, five months, six months, eight months, it, it, you pick up right where you left off. And I love, I love, he's got an amazing wife and he's got the two awesomest kiddos and it's just fun to hang out with them and spend time with them. JD gave me a tennis lesson. So I got to, <laughs> there you go. got to play tennis and go, uh, go fishing with JD and then, uh, Jax, who's 12 years old. Um, he's a little rock star. Good God. Look out for him. 2027 NHL draft. Where does he play right now? Yeah, Junior Canes. Oh, Junior Canes. Yeah, he's nice. top top five pick in 2027. There we go. Wow. There you go. I'm calling that right now. Top five pick. So, okay, there we we'll go. We'll look back so, on this pod. Jack's, Jack's, Jack sent me a uh, Jack sent me a text today, actually. I'll, I'll show you the picture. Maybe I'll send it to you, and you guys can, can post it with this. But he... Yeah. Uh, he sent me. He's gotten into golf. He just picked up golf. Okay. And he goes. Uh, he goes. Uncle Nick came in first three times in golf today. Best chipper, best putter, uh, and overall winner. And so he sends me this picture. And so that's this is this is this is Jacks today. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so this kid's he's 11. Oh, no, he's 12. Yeah, okay. 12. He's a stud. Oh, he's 11. Wow. He's, yeah, he's gonna be a rock star. <laughs> that's cool. awesome. So, yeah, he's yeah. calling you so, Uncle Nick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jax is Jax is Jax is gonna be. You know, but family, 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 family. Yeah, for me, it sure. all comes back to family, and and Kopi and and Justin are family, and they they take care of my family like family. My mom and dad are still in Detroit, so when the Kings are in Detroit or the Hurricanes are in Detroit, my mom and dad have tickets. Wow. Kopi takes them to dinner. Justin takes them to dinner. That's incredible. You know, there's no family's family is family, and it's across the board. How, so how did you meet Kopi? How did you meet Kopitar? Him being from Slovenia, and you know you so he, <laughs> you're he, from Detroit. How did that all end up? He came to the LA. Kings. Okay. Got drafted to the Kings. I'd known Dustin Brown because Dustin Brown was in the OHL when I was in the OHL. And uh, we were... uh, Dustin had... Dustin Brown had Thanksgiving at his house. And so uh, Thanksgiving dinner, so it was Dustin and me and Williams, and we all knew each other. And Kopi and his then-girlfriend, now-wife, Enos at the time, um, came to Thanksgiving dinner, and we just had the most ridiculous great time it was like we'd known each other for literally walked out of dinner with those guys I mean we probably spent six seven hours together but literally walked out of dinner uh, and I mean Kopi was like here take my number we, we need to hang out like That's we were going instantly wow. and it certainly helped that Kopi and Justin were pals yeah. and so and Dustin and all those guys and so again it's the vouch for thing exactly. and you know yeah so Kopi Cope and I headed off right from the Hom and uh, I mean we've been uh, thick as thieves ever since. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to Slovenia later this summer. Wow! 
sick. Yeah. Probably a beautiful yeah. country. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Wow. Go to Slovenia. If you've never been, go. Go to Blood. Go to Ljubljana. You know, compared to like Switzerland and like you know other places, I'm sure that that's relatively less expensive than you know. Yeah, and the coolest part is that's European Union, so you can you can go to Blood or Ljubljana, which is the capital, which is where you would fly into in Slovenia, and you can, you're 45 minutes to Venice, you're 45 minutes to Croatia, wow. you're 45 minutes to Austria, so wow. yeah, go to go to Slovenia, and just tell them you know Copia, and uh, they'll, they'll hook you up. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the, guy, the, guy's like a, the guy's like a righteous merging of uh, of, uh, of uh, Elvis and Jordan in that town. That's, that's unreal. Shit. That's like, that says uh, a lot about him. That's huh? insane. You've, you've uh, broadcast in the Olympics, right? I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so lucky. Um, I really, truly have. I've worked real hard. Don't, don't. But I think, I think it's a combination of, you know, if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. So I've been super lucky in that regard. And the Olympics is a whole nother thing. I mean, these are athletes that aren't getting paid the big bucks that, you know, NBA, NHL, NBA. Training guys for four are years. Yeah, for for four event. years, they got one shot. You know, like I think... You know, I, I covered a lot of speed skating, and my partner was Dan Jansen. And if you don't know Dan Jansen's story, um, generationally, you should look it up. But, you know, that's a prime example of a guy that trains and trains and trains and trains and trains and one little slip, and it's all over with. It's all over speed with. You're done. Something like that. It's You're over. done. You're done. Razor's edge, and it's yeah. over. So, for me, it was super awesome. It was, inf- it was, it was an unbelievable stage. It was unbelievable athletes and the dedication and the compassion. And I feel like Olympic athletes are just like, us right they've they've got that same kind of approachability and they're just super down to earth but man what a spirit they have what a what a drive what a dedication what a commitment i mean to work for your moments for four years and then you have that like in speed skating you got a minute and you got you know depending on your race you got a minute and 15 seconds yeah you train four years for a minute and 15 seconds so you either you either fuck up or you don't yeah you either crush it and hit the ball or you 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 know you don't and you know dj is such an inspiration you you know dj dealt with so many things you know right before his big race his first rip at it is you know he finds out that his sister's passed away and he's got to go out there and he's got to clear his head i mean shit i play golf and i have a bad hole and i'm screwed for eight <laughs> like imagine imagine getting ready to go feel that skate for a gold medal for your country in front of the world and moments before you go on the ice you find out that your you know your sister's passed away so like I draw a lot of inspiration from those guys and I draw a lot of inspiration and I think for me as a broadcaster it made me want to be the best I could be in those moments because I didn't want to let them down and I didn't want to let their moment down. I think that draws back to what I drew on when I interviewed Kaner. You know, it's like I know that that's not my moment. I don't nobody gives a shit what I'm asking him. I mean, they do only because they want it to be about him. Like you want to hear me but you don't want to hear me. Right. So for me, in my moment, my nerves were don't screw this up for Patrick Kane. Like this guy's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a three time Stanley Cup champion. He's a Con Smite winner. He's just a, hit a thousand points. He's a yeah. legend. Yes. Best yes. American born hockey player. Like, yes. Best yes. American yep. born hockey 100%. player. I love it. Don't screw this up for Patrick Kane. And I think moments like the Olympics prepared me for that because it's like, do your job. Yeah. Do your do your job uh-huh. and do it well and get out of the way. I, yeah, I have a, I have a more question. <laughs> yeah, one more. Let's go. I'm good. It's long. Yeah, I love it. 
I'm sorry. If you're still listening, I love you. If you're still listening to me, you know, I love you. There's one thing, like you were talking about with your dedication to your job, and you know, you know, you see these athletes, and you're like, you know, this strives me to be better. One thing I noticed when you said that is last year, middle of the NHL, you're at Winter Nationals for a Sunday announcing championship games. Literally, in the middle of the NHL season, you know, January, and, you know, you're back at March. You know, and it shows a commitment that, hey, no matter, and you said it way earlier about Dare, you know, no matter how far you get, you know, you always show your roots to rolling. And I was planning on being, um, I was planning on being a man. Gizmondi? Gizmondi, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's so in the middle of Blackhawk Stadium. <laughs> that's awesome. That's my best uh, friend. So. I love it. Well, yeah. Tell, tell him I said hello, please. Okay. Or we'll take a picture in a second. Okay. I told yeah. yeah, I'm hanging out with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come over and take a picture. We'll send it to him. That's awesome. I love that. Chicago fans everywhere, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you know, I was planning on being at the. I was planning on being at the Narch Finals this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, COVID changed things. Yeah. I'm still going to try to get out to California. Hey, we'll see you um, out there. I'm still planning on getting out to California, but. Yeah, listen, you can't get to where you're going unless you know where you came from. I'm sorry, but like, I don't care what you're doing. That's a really, really, really good quote. Yeah, you've got to you got to know where you're going in life, and um, you have to remember all the people and the things that helped you and got you to where you were. So, you know, for me, last year, for I'm like, listen, it was an easy trip too, right? Like, it's a 45 minute flight from Vegas. To California and Darren called and he said hey can you come in and I said you know what the guys are on they, it, I don't know how miraculously it worked out the schedule had two days gap and I'm like <laughs> yep I'm on a plane I'll be right there landed came right to the rink announced the uh, announced a couple of games spent two spent a night and then the next day I think I was there for like literally 36 hours <laughs> yeah and then I was out but I'm like yeah whatever Darren you got it you need me in there so yeah Oh well, man, I think uh, we've been going for a while. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Believe me, I think hey, you we can. You got one more? We got one more question. We got one more. I got a question. We might have. All right, let's just keep going. You guys can edit it later. Dude, let's make it a two part. Make it a two part. Make it a two part. Keep them coming back. So obviously, people know you. And I like we've seen right here, this guy and his wife found out. Have you ever looked on like Twitter after a game and seen people like ripping you or like giving you the biggest props ever? Um, I don't yeah. one of my I've got like a list of like life rules and um rule number nine is ignore the hate. <laughs> rule number nine. Yeah. So I have I have a list of about ten to fifteen rules. Um, and I have numbers, and it's a little NCIS, I get it, but, um, rule, <laughs> rule, <laughs> rule, rule number nine is ignore the hate, so, you, you're never gonna please everybody. Yeah, of course. There's so much more, luckily, at this moment, there's so much more overwhelmingly positive things that people say to me, um, on Twitter than, than the negative, but there's the trolls out there, and that's fine, and, listen, if... If you want to live in that existence and you want to cut people down anonymously behind some username, I mean, listen, I go ahead, have at it, but 
I feel good about the job that I do and I feel good about the preparation that I put into every single broadcast and I feel amazing about the effort that I put into every show um, and that's on me and um, I'm pretty happy at the end of those so if people have negative things to say I understand it not everybody has to like me that's okay I like you but if you don't like me <laughs> but um, luckily it's more overwhelmingly positive and negative and the Vegas community was unbelievable to me and, and Chicago has been the same way so it's been good but you see it but I, it doesn't affect me <laughs> yeah I don't it's like water on a duck's back brother there we go there we go I'm gonna, I'm gonna chime in here yeah yeah we got well, CJ let's go <laughs> CJ <laughs> so uh, one of my first experiences of like seeing you doing anything for Roller or like Narch was I don't know if you've seen it but uh, Darren made a blooper video of you in front of San Jose this <laughs> oh, yeah. He's trying to and, do stand-ups. <laughs> yeah, this is not I, easy. It's not really a question, but it's, it's not an easy it job. was it was awesome to see because I mean you were doing your like you're doing your job and you're you're laughing you're having fun with it and it was, it was cool to see you do that and I mean you, you can touch on that if you want but I, it was it was my first experience of seeing you and I don't know what year that was maybe it was like oh, oh, oh you you have to be. You have to be malleable and you have to be able to make fun of yourself. Yeah. I remember I remember a broadcast with Mayday in Vegas. And he, he's my partner, so I gotta take care of him. And I don't know what I don't know what the hell happened. It was a post-game show. He's <laughs> Something went up his nose. <laughs> like, and he's trying to hold this sneeze in, and we're both on a two shot because I can see the monitor in my peripheral. And he's, he's doing everything he can to not sneeze, but his eyes are welling. <laughs> he's starting to cry. And I'm just like, Jesus, Brad, like, what are you doing? And we're going to break, and he's like, he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm sorry. And so I'm getting ready. They're counting me in my ear. Now they're like, you got to get off the air. Yeah. Your producer comes in, he's giving you the 10 count. And I'm like, well, that's going to do it for us here at, uh, you know, at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, for our entire crew, our producer, Braden Greiser, uh, and for a very emotional Brad May. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you just roll with it. But, like, there's been times when you stumble on a word and you say things and you, yeah. you just got to roll with it. I love it. I think I like it, actually. I laugh at myself a lot. No, it was, it was um, awesome to watch. It was, I, it was I had, fun. I've had plenty of stumbles. I had, uh, you know, in Chicago this year, I had a guy try to grab my, like, literally asked me. I was doing a hit. I was talking to Edzo, and a little guy literally came up and, like, grabbed my tie and asked me if he could have it. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> You gave it to him. And I'm like, ten ninety nine and I was mid I was mid bro. Enzo's losing it. Foley's losing it. It's like well, you just gotta go with it, man. Yeah, it's live yeah, TV. Yeah. Personally the bloopers are more fun than 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 some of the actual broadcasts. Yeah, I saw that video. I, I it was a blast. Well that's why I got a kick out of it because it was it was funny and it was awesome to watch. Like, it's a hard job, fellas. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Shit, it's, it's not man, easy sometimes. Nah, I mean I couldn't even imagine. I'll finish, I'll finish your broadcast. I'll finish a three or four hour broadcast and I literally like I'm obviously you guys see me, I'm very social, I'm very public, I'm not happy you're, to talk. You're exhausted. You, you boy, I'm posted. Yeah, you go out to drink. Exactly, you go out to you go out to have a beverage with the crew, and you're quiet. And they're like, "Gizmo, why are you so quiet?" And I'm like, "I'm just I'm like, mentally, like, bro, like, I just put I'm all like, my energy into that four like, hour broadcast <laughs> yeah. put together." And people, people expect that. I think people expect that from you. They expect that high energy, that positivity, all that, time, every time. And I and I feel like I got to be that. You know, I feel like I, be, I, I I played golf the other day with a guy that um 
um, that happened to be from Chicago. And, you know, we got on the first team that was randomly paired up with them. And he's like, Holy, he's like, holy shit, Nick is muddy. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he was awesome. And he was such a cool dude. But I felt like that entire round that I had to be. You had to be Nick is on camera. Yeah. Oh, man. Whereas, you know, when I'm with, when I'm with the guys, I'm a little looser, you know. I'll say things yeah. a little bit more, yeah. but like for that entire round, I felt like I had to be, you know, you represent broadcast, broadcast, you represent the brand. Yeah, that's that's yeah. amazing. Well, Kev, I know you've been trying to. No, be, I, I, well, I, well, I, let's I, go. My my yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, like you got people next to us who know who you are, and like obviously you've been doing what you've been doing for a long time. You've made a huge impact in the sport that we cover. You you've kind of shed light to people in our sport that hey you can do it you can get to places that you know you don't necessarily expect to like people I mean and you know you're looking at four of them right now we're guys who are trying to put a platform of this sport and kind of get into media and broadcasting in a sense like what what would you tell to like aspiring broadcasters to you know like some advice or some you know wise words um, tenacity is absolutely everything if tenacity is everything don't ever take no as the answer stay at it turn the no into a maybe turn the maybe into a yes um, trust in yourself believe in yourself um, out prepare everybody that you're working with or against um, you know be critical highly of yourself and understand that it's, it's a tough road and it doesn't happen overnight and that you have to stay the course and you know, to go back to a military quote, you know, no matter how far you fall, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how dark it gets, you're never out of the fight. You know, the people that will not make it in this business are the ones that will quit. The ones that will make it will take those hits and get back up and carry on. Move to California in a couple days' notice. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to me. Take risks. Get outside of your comfort zone. Take a risk. Take a risk. Throw it to the wind. Believe in yourself to such a degree that you're just like, fuck it, I'm doing this. And if I fall on my face, great, I'll get back up. If you fall 20 times, get up 21. And I, I would, I would, I would say that the, the, the if you do that, you'll be fine. That's, well, man, I, I, I don't it's know. Amazing Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, myself personally, when we brought up who we're gonna get on the next pods and stuff, I was super pumped about you know getting you on here and asking questions about the Blackhawks. I know that you know we kind of dwelled a little bit from rollers, so we gotta we gotta have you back on obviously at some point here soon. But man, this has been. This has been incredible, honestly. I think this is going to be one of our best pods. Seriously, this has been this is a this has been a ton of fun. This is the most fun I've had doing. I've done a ton of these podcasts over the course of the uh, this this quarantine. It's been fun for me to tell my story, and um, this is the most fun I've had in a long time. Hey, we appreciate. Hey, let's let's get another cheers. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. go. I think that's going to wrap up uh, Gizmo Chapter One, and yeah, we're going to go for Chapter Two. I think I think this was Chapter One too. I think we got three coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got. Coming, so, uh, well, we can't we can't thank you enough. We can't thank JD's Bake JD's Shop, Bake Bar Shop and Grill. Sure. Great yes. Audible, by the way. Yes. Yeah, hit me up today. Great Audible, and uh, you know we couldn't be more thrilled to have you on. So Gizmo, thank you again for coming and shedding some light on uh, 
on roller hockey, on, you know, your journey into the NHL and everything like that. And man, I just, I can't say enough. And I'm going to tell my dad, like, you got to listen to this. Like, you need to listen to this. I'm going to tell my brother, like, this has been great, man. So we really appreciate you taking the time and spending some time and hanging out with us four knuckleheads to, you know, send send it over to the roller family and and get some good insight on on your life and everything. So thank you again. Hey, you're welcome. I think we got to end it with a cheers. There we go. Let's do a cheers. 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 Roller hockey for life. There we go. I don't want to mess it up. I guess it's over. Roller hockey for life.